You're with Earth Matters, bringing you news where environment and social justice issues intersect. Today's show was produced on the lands of the Bundjalung Nation in Lismore as it recovers from devastating floods. The show is facilitated by Radio 3CR in Nam, known as Melbourne, and broadcast across these stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. Well, I'm feeling very honoured today because I'm here with Susie Russell, who's somebody I've now known for decades. Uh, yep, decades. Who I first met when I was about 24, and Susie was at Elands protecting forests there, a lot of tallowwood trees, and I met Susie there in the height of the most amazing community efforts to save trees. and. Today I'm contacting Susie again in Lismore, where a lot of environmentalists live. And Susie has driven from Elands and helped set up the Trees Not Bombs Cafe in the quadrangle of the university there. Susie, hi, welcome to Earth Matters. Hi, Beck. Lovely to be here. Please tell me about the Trees Not Bombs Cafe. Okay, well, like so many people, I was watching the floods unfold in the Northern Rivers and in Lismore in particular on the 1st of March. And a lot of my friends were involved. They were out in uh, tinnies rescuing people. They were rescued themselves from their houses. They were, uh, they lost everything or they lost their vehicles or their community and their, you know, the environment centre, you know, everything, the arts precinct, everything was basically just completely smashed by that epic flood. And I felt like um, I, I needed to do something to help. I saw a post from one friend saying they were hungry uh, and just the scale of what was happening and sort of realising that there were thousands of people with no homes, no kitchens, no food. Um, and I thought, well, you know, we have to be able to do something. Well, I realised that I could do something to help and that I felt um, that uh, I wasn't sure what that was. But in the past, um, when the Northeast Forest Alliances had some sort of blockade or action, there was the NEFA Liberation Cafe, it was called, uh, which was a sort of a tent that served hot food to people who obviously were out camping and needed it. And also I'm, I'm in touch with the Food Not Bombs group in uh, Newcastle that run a soup kitchen and serve up up help meals to mainly homeless people and so uh, I thought well why don't we collaborate and put together some sort of soup kitchen in Lismore and the Food Not Bombs people didn't have the capacity to help um, anyway so I organised um, all the gear I could gather uh, some friends did a bulk order from uh, of dry goods, a bulk order of fruit and veg, uh, arranged for them to be got to Lismore, and um, and sort of set up, went, went set off to 
go to Lismore, which is about um, six hours north of where I live, to see what we could do to help. And um, and it became clear to me that uh, one of the big problems was that the catchment has been so degraded over centuries of uh, the rainforest being removed, the old growth forests being removed, the vegetation along the creeks being removed, that uh, all those trees would um, in the past have slowed um, and held back the floodwaters, have had much more capacity to absorb the water and the fact that they've been removed um, and and the landscape is now so bare played a big role in not just uh, the flood but also the scouring, um, the erosion, the siltation of the river. And uh, so at the same time, of course, we were all seeing the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine and bombs were falling on cities. And so Trees Not Bombs was, was born in that sort of um, context. So uh, anyway, well, we arrived and we looked around um, where we might be able to set up. We've got a big old marquee, um, like a sort of a circus tent, really. It's quite big. It's eight metres by 12 metres. Um, we brought tables, chairs. Uh, we bought an old couch. Um, we bought a box of books. We bought games. We bought cooking gear. We bought cleaning gear. We, we basically had an incredibly eclectic mix of things that might come in handy. Uh, and in the end, we gave away all of the cleaning gear and uh, we set up a community soup kitchen, um, which has become something more than a soup kitchen. It's now still uh, eight weeks pretty much after that first flood the only place that I know of where you can sit down during the day and get a hot meal um, and get a hot meal. So there are a couple of places now that are open up, uh, coffee shops where you can get a takeaway croissant or some sort of small food. But as for a a plate of hot food and somewhere to sit down, um, that recovery is still quite some way off. Um, Susie? You know, for a start, how does it feel to be somebody who spent your whole life trying to set the homeostasis, the ecological homeostasis, the balance of this planet right again by saving forests, and now to um, find yourself um, serving hot meals to really victims of climate, the climate emergency people experiencing the impacts of the wild weather and climate chaos that comes from global heating, and now these are people you know. And, and what's, what's happening to them? This is, a, this is a, a, a mega social justice issue. Well, it is because once it leaves the media cycle, which it pretty much has in the wake of the election, People feel like they have been forgotten and yet the disruption to their lives is still absolutely huge. There's the physical disruption, that is, that that if you still have a house and there are many thousands of people who don't, if you still have a house, 
it has been stripped completely bare, including of the inner walls. So chances are you don't have a kitchen. Uh, you probably have running water, and if and by now you, you might have one PowerPoint. Um, so uh, people are living in very, very uh, rudimentary environment and still cleaning out mud and slush from around their houses and trying to scavenge bits of furniture, uh, but really basic um, living conditions. Then, of course, there is the disruption to services. So if there's been no delivery of the post, for example. Postal services have stopped. You can't get a delivery of gas. Um, so it's not just the actual physical flood, the, the recovery. You can't go to the shops and buy a whole range of things that you need to get your place back together because there are almost no shops now in Lismore. The CBD, apart from a few places, is completely boarded up. So you have to drive quite a way to be able to uh, access shops. A lot of people lost their cars. They don't have a car to be able to drive anywhere to go and access anything. So the mental health issues like the trauma, uh, even amongst people I know who are incredibly resilient and brave um, and who, who well understand the chaos that um, the, the changing climate is going to bring and is bringing, even they feel completely shattered by having one of those, you know, just the day after day living in this environment where just so many things frustrate um, getting anything done. And, of course, that's compounded by the ever-changing landscape of, um, you know, grant money available that, that most people can't navigate the processes to try and get money. It's like there are all these hoops that people have to jump through to access that first $1,000 grant that was announced when Morrison came to town. You had to answer a 50-question uh, form. Uh, so with, with some, you know, really ridiculous questions about what your house was constructed of. So it it really is like the the sort of um, post-traumatic stress process is going to take months, if not years, for people to get over. I was just reading an account this morning of someone who said that they wake in fright, uh, worried that they're going to put their feet out of bed and step into water. Um, you know, the terror of having to try and find a way onto your roof in order to escape floodwaters that had filled your house on the second floor. Uh, I mean, those are things that are causing people to have recurrent nightmares when it rains. And the, the scary part about it also is that there was a second flood a month after the first, and because we, we are living in a time where, as you say, the ocean is way too hot, uh, the amount of evaporation is unlike anything we've seen before, and therefore the amount of precipitation and rain uh, and wild weather and the likelihood of sort of tropical cyclones moving south is greater than ever before. It's not off the cards that Lismore won't see another flood uh, in the next month or two. So people are really um, nervous about, for example, bringing their 
treasured possessions that they stored in their roof cavity down because they're worried that in a couple of weeks they're just going to have to move them all up again. So it's a very sort of minimalist camping experience that thousands, thousands and thousands of people are having to endure. And, of course, they're the people in Lismore, but out of town there are people whose roads have been destroyed who have to trek for half an hour because they, they've got no road access to their property. There are roads that communities are worried are going to collapse and, and starting to prepare about what, what they might do if that happens. You know, Do they need to set up food storage depots on either side of where the road is likely to collapse in order to prepare for those events? So it's really quite an extraordinary time in the region. Susie Russell from the Northeast Forest Alliance talking about the Trees Not Bombs Cafe, building resilience and serving hot meals in the centre of flood-damaged Lismore as it recovers. And now we're going to hear some King Stingray. From way up north, King Stingray are a four-piece Yolnu surf rock band from Yakala, northeast Arnhem Land, Australia. They've created a genre of their own surf rock of their own Yolnu surf rock, merging Indigenous melodies with a fresh new sound. King Stingray. King Stingray, the Yolmu band from Ilkala, northeast Arnhem Land. This is Earth Matters, bringing you news of the changing environment and the resulting hits to social justice. Today we're talking with Susie Russell from the Northeast Forest Alliance, who finds herself serving hot meals at the Trees Not Bombs Cafe she set up with friends 
in the quadrangle in the centre of Lismore. I know that there's a lot of Bunjalung and Indigenous people living in Lismore and the Lismore region. I know that the Koori Mail has been doing a lot to help them. The building that it's the Koori Mail building itself was by the river and got flooded. Do you have anything to say about that? Although I know you're not Bunjalung yourself. It, it has just been the most awesome experience to watch how Koori Mail and the five uh, Bunjalung groups that it supports or that, that own the Koori Mail have organised to respond to the needs of the community, not just their own communities, but everyone. They have, uh, you know, they sprung into action immediately. They've set up a food bank. They have counselling. They did a massive outreach program of sending people out to all the far-flung communities and family groups that they knew of to make sure that people were okay, took food supplies. I mean, the Koori Mail have led the grassroots response in so many ways and done this massive outreach and just provided support in numerous ways to the whole of the region. It's been incredible. And I mean, the other grassroots community organisation that deserves a mention is Resilient Lismore. That was an organisation that grew out of the 2017 floods, a community grassroots organisation that has coordinated thousands of volunteers with tens of thousands of calls for assistance to, for people to get their houses back into some kind of habitable state. And they have a team of volunteers working 24 hours a day to be able to uh, provide that level of support, provide people with cleaning gear, uh, everything from, you know, gurneys to PPE. The reasons why we as a society are in this place of climate chaos and, and nature destruction just repeating itself, you know, ad infinitum, just with more appalling decisions being made that are going to make things worse. No sense of um, the need for community and social interaction, just, you know, really utilitarian, you know, bureaucratic type responses. I mean, the emergency shelter that was set up immediately after the first flood, I mean, they didn't even have blankets. You know, there's just a complete lack of preparedness for emergencies and, you know, the, the sort of their idea of providing support is, you know, bringing in pallets and pallets of bottled water. As a society, as a, as a country, as a place that is likely to be, bear the brunt of future uh, many more climate catastrophes, we are so totally underprepared, it is terrifying. I've got a long list of things that they could be doing and Really, most of the time they're just making it harder for the groups that are trying to do those things. Susie, I, I don't think it's possible for me to be standing in your shoes right now because I really can't imagine how it feels. I haven't been in that experience. I have been in a Lismore flood, but it, was, it wasn't anything like what you the, the catastrophe that's happened there. Is there a way that, that people can contribute from a distance? Yes. Um, well, there are several ways. I mean, the Koori Mail has got a GoFundMe and it has raised uh, well over a million dollars and um, that money is being used to help get uh, the communities most in need 
back up and able to function and their food bank is open to everyone. I mean, we go and get some bulk goods from there to be able to run our soup kitchen as well. So supporting the Koori Mail GoFundMe. Resilient Lismore also has um, the opportunity to donate so people can do that. Trees Not Bombs Community Recovery Camp Cafe. We've got a Facebook page. You can go on there and follow what we're doing and we have got a GoFundMe. Yeah, so I, I think it's just so important that people think really carefully about the future of this country and uh, and the kind of people that we want to be able to make decisions about the future of the com- country and whether they've got the best interests of our communities at heart or whether they're really more interested in um, profits for a few. Thank you so much, Susie. We'll be following what happens. And uh, I know there's so much other good work you're doing for the forests. I'd love to hear more about that. In a nutshell, can you just tell me anything that's going on in the forest scene in the North uh, East Forest Alliance? Darlan mentioned a court case when we interviewed him back in January, Darlan Pugh. Yes, well, the court case has been heard in the federal court. Uh, NEPA has taken action against the New South Wales and the federal government for extending for another 18 years the regional forest agreements without having done any assessment as to the impact of logging on um, threatened species or old growth forests or what climate change, the impacts of climate change on the forests. So obviously we have to wait and see what the court says, but it would be a truly absurd situation if an assessment done 20 years ago is considered adequate to last a lifetime. So that's one thing. In the meantime, the New South Wales government has got an inquiry looking into the uh, into the timber industry. As many of your listeners would know, it's an uneconomical industry. The native forest industry makes a loss. So taxpayers pay to have our massive, wonderful, unique forests and habitat destroyed, whereas people that put seedlings in the ground can get carbon credits and subsidies. So the timber industry has the governments wrapped around their little finger and it's to the detriment of uh, just about every ecosystem service that you can imagine. So we continue our campaign on that front. And, uh, I mean, one of the good things about the massive amount of rain is that it has made quite a lot of forest inaccessible, but there is still logging happening wherever it's dry enough. And obviously, we're, we're trying with our very limited resources to, to do what we can to make people aware of that and to um, slow down the process of destruction until we get a government that's prepared to look at what the forests offer uh, and what they give us and recognise their values. And if anyone wants to support the Northeast Forest Alliance in any way, just go to our website www.nefa.org.au and there's ways that you can contribute on that webpage. Can we just finish with a really fun, let's do this fun little task and try and list a few ecosystem services that forests provide. And I'll start with beauty. Forests are beautiful. Can you think of one, Susie? Uh, Oh, gee. Um, Yeah. Uh, Flood mitigation is another that's through absorbing the water in the spongy forest floor. Yeah, and, and physically slowing the flow of water as well. Mm. Uh, well, habitat. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of our native unique 
wildlife that depends on our eucalypt forests, uh, particularly old trees that have dropped limbs and and made hollows that they can then nest and shelter in and without those hollows they can't breed. So we're looking at a serious housing crisis as we lose the old trees. You know, without the forests, we don't have the animals. What about carbon storage? Hmm. Yep, the trees hold the carbon both in the wood but also in the soil. So when you take out the trees, you also lose carbon from the soil. They suck it out of the atmosphere. In fact, there's a lot of talk about carbon capture and storage, but the best technology that we still have after the billions of dollars that have been wasted on trying to find technological fixes are trees. That's what really takes the carbon out of the atmosphere. They filter the the water, so the best water comes from an intact forest, as Melbourne people would know, because for many years, Melbourne water was the envy of the world because it had a protected forest catchment as its water filter. Old forest is actually more resilient and and less likely to burn than uh, a young regrowth forest. So intact forests actually form a, a sort of protection from fire. And the more logging we have, the more likely we are to have wildfire catastrophes. So there's you know, it's sort of a, a bit of a complex argument, but there's now some really good science that establishes that as as fact. Yeah. So, I mean, look, a lot of values. They're just some of them. Well, that's a good positive note to end on. Susie, thanks so much for talking to Earth Matters. It's been a pleasure. Susie Russell was our guest today on Earth Matters from the Trees Not Bombs Cafe in Lismore. And the links to all of those fundraisers for Trees Not Bombs Cafe, the Koori Mail and Resilience Lismore are there on the homepage for the Earth Matters show on the 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Now, just a bit more. King Stingray. Stingray.